Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and this is the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Coming to you live from the brand new RVN Television Studios. Really excited to be back here with you. And today we've got a topic that is, I'll call, been there, done that advice. And I'm pleased to welcome Leo Popic, who is the founder and CEO of Leading Peers, which is a community for CEOs to connect and collaborate. Leo, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. So happy to be here. That's a pleasure. Leo, I think the best way to start is, since I mentioned that this is kind of a been there, done that advice program for business owners and entrepreneurs, why don't we start a little bit about your background to establish the been there part? Yeah, so um, I became an entrepreneur when I turned 30. Uh, before that, I had started every type of business, like small small kid stuff and, and organization, nonprofits and everything. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. But at 30, became real. I'm 50 now. For the last 20 years, I've been an entrepreneur. I've started different companies. Uh, the main one in the corporate event space, I uh, started and, and grew and led as CEO, the largest corporate event planning company of Latin America with offices in 10 countries, uh, 50 people on the full-time team. We, we got to over $10 million of revenue. Um, and uh, the pandemic really was one of those moments where we had to pause and say, where do we go from here? And that's sort of when my, 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 my passion project, which is leading peer started in 2020. So yeah, I've, I've ran uh, companies in 10 different countries, you know, traveled the world for business, always, you know, as a hundred percent owner, tons of responsibility, learned the ins and outs of the trade. And, uh, I can tell you it's fascinating. It's, it's exhilarating to me being an entrepreneur, being a founder, being a CEO. At the same time, I certainly learned a ton of lessons, made a ton of mistakes had my failures. Uh, and that's why I'm, you know, here to support others through that process. That's great. Thank you for sharing that story. And it, throughout my career, I've worked with, God, probably thousands of, of CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners. And um, the, the theme I always hear is that it's kind of a lonely place at the top of the org chart. Um, there's an expectation that, that folks should have all the answers. So I think that's subsiding a little bit now post-pandemic. But, but still, uh, CEOs don't really have the ability to walk down the hall and close the door and, and kind of kick the tires with their peers because there's an expectation that they're at a different level. So maybe you can just comment on what you've seen and what drove you to put together this community for CEOs and why it's so important. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, back when I started my first business in 20 years ago, I had a business partner. We then hired somebody. And so everybody that I thought I needed was around me. But as things evolved over time, I found myself moving to a different country, starting a new office, working from home. I'm talking about 2010, so very different world than today. And all of a sudden, that loneliness started kind of creeping in. I no longer had a partner. I mean, my partner became my wife, who was a stay-at-home mom. I was really the only guy in the business out of the, the two. And then we started hiring people and then in other countries. Before I knew it, I had a team in 10 different countries from Germany to the United States to all, all these uh, countries in Latin America. And I just couldn't, you know, be with everybody I needed to be with. And, um, and, 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 and although Skype was there and, you know, later Zoom came into play, uh, it just felt at times like I was the only one holding it all together. And that's when it really dawned on me man, like building a business is not as easy as I thought it would be, you know, going from a million in revenue to 10 million, that was a, a big amount of effort on my part. But then it's like, how do you get to a hundred million? I realized that there are a lot of things I didn't know. 
and that the employees of the team didn't know either. I mean, I was hiring them because they were competent, competent at what they did, whether in operations or in finance, but they certainly didn't have the vision. They certainly didn't understand the strategy. They didn't know what kind of people we needed to bring to the business that weren't already in the business. They didn't know much about process and execution and building a valuable company that I could exit someday. And it was, frankly, they didn't have much skin in the game either. Uh, to 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 raise the company's valuation. So all these things led to increasing loneliness at the top. Then came my immigration to the United States. Uh, I grew up in the States, uh, studied here, got my master's at Harvard, but then I went back to South America. And then before I knew it, I was like applying to a green card and that whole process was extremely, uh, to me, uh, complicated. I was on my own in that sense as well. Uh, finally got to the other side of that finally got to SBA funding, that, that kind of possibility. But I realized like none of my team in all these different countries understand what I'm going through. And I really needed peers who were in some ways way more competent than they, than they were, you know, in, in terms of entrepreneurial competence, building a vision, knowing what a CEO goes through uh, and having connections, connections with the right funding sources, connections with the strategy people, the right business advisors and consultants, with the right CPAs, with the right business lawyers, all these different things, right? Uh, all I knew was from the trade that I was in. And I realized that people in other trades and in other industries, they had so much value that they could bring to the table because at the end of the day, 98% or more of our challenges were common to us all regardless of what industry we were in. So that's really when I decided to join a mastermind group, um, became a member of one where I could meet with other CEOs. And I started realizing, oh my gosh, you know, this is way better than going to business school. You know, in business school, they teach you how to work in large corporations, but they don't teach you how to lead them. They don't teach you anything about small and mid-sized enterprises. And you certainly don't build friendships that you can carry on when, when the cohort and, and the, you know, the educational program is over. Um, and, and I needed people to bounce ideas off of that knew me, knew my goals, knew, knew what I cared about and, uh, and, and just really wanted to be in my corner kind of as a band of mates for life, right? A band of brothers and sisters that I would go to face future challenges, uh, through, you know, the next decades of my life. So, uh, became a huge advocate of, 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 of having that sort of support system when you're an entrepreneur. And obviously that's the, the founding story of why I started leading peers. Yeah, and let, let's just drill into leading peers just for a minute and clarify exactly what that entails. Because you use the term, you know, mastermind group, and folks who are out there listening and watching maybe thinking, you know, peer board, advisory board, mastermind. What's the difference, and and where does leading peers fit into that continuum? Okay, so we are uh, first and foremost a community that you join, where you're going to have. Uh, a lot of other people who are all CEOs. So it's a CEO community. We're all peers. Nobody is uh, above or, or, or below anybody else. And to join our community, you have to join a specific peer advisory board. You can't just sign a sheet and, and, and say, I'm in, uh, I've paid my dues. You've got to be admitted by a particular group of people that you're going to be placed with uh, in their board, their peer advisory board. So not a board of directors because you you might own all the equity in your business or you might have a partner. That's your board of directors. But you come to Leading Peers to find your peer advisory board. Now, this is not a group that's going to work on a specific thing like some mastermind communities that work on health and wellness or they work on, I don't know, uh, your finances. No, this is a peer advisory board to help you grow your business and help you grow as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a human being. So uh, you're going to be surrounded by people with similar challenges, 
But at the end of the day, everybody's in it to make their life better, their life more fulfilling. So yeah, business growth is a part of what we're all about. But what you're going to encounter is real people bringing real issues like I'm working too much and I need to cut back um, or I am uh, going like crazy about a certain situation that's creating anxiety. I'm not be- being able to sleep well through the night. This is new to me. I don't know how to get through this stage or I'm having issues with a particular person that I thought was somebody I could trust um, or I don't know where to come up with the money for what I want to do next. And this is frustrating and I've been stuck in this situation for a while. So all sorts of challenges that you would have as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, and essentially bringing, bringing that to a trusted group. It, it all revolves around trust. You know, trust is our number one core value that we talk about all the time in leading peers. Uh, having a growth mindset is another core value. Accountability is another one. Your peers will hold you accountable for the stuff you say you're going to do. Um, so it doesn't get lost. It's the same group of people that you're going to meet with on a monthly basis. And if last month you said, this is what I'm going to do. And then you show up and say, uh, I didn't do anything. Your group is going to hold you accountable. They're going to keep you focused on what matters. Because sometimes as entrepreneurs, we just have too many opportunities, too many options, and we lose focus and we lose accountability. So if we don't have a boss, we think we can just kind of get off track and then we pay for the for that. But our business and our people pay for that uh, as well. So accountability is huge. Also, meaningful relationships. We're not just here to build a transient relationship where you shake somebody's hand and never see them again. Uh, but like I mentioned before, a band of brothers and sisters that you can really tackle whatever war, whatever challenge you go through. And last but not least, uh, our fifth core value is servant leadership. We want this to be a community for leaders that want to change the world, that want to impact uh, how things are, uh, are around them. It's not just about how you become richer. Everybody's going to become richer if they have a business that contrib- contributes in a meaningful way to other people. So we want to make sure that people are in our community for the right reasons, which is all about service to others and um, and just building a great life based on integrity and and, and honesty and and hard work. Yeah, Leo, is there a particular size when an organization is, I'll call it, ready for a a peer group in particular, whether it's the number of employees or, or revenues? How would you measure that? You know, at Leading Peers, we do uh, expect a specific size. Um, now, I would answer your question saying there is no min- uh, size that you have to, to hit. If somebody's in our audience and they just launched a business, we, we're we not the right outfit for them. But there are other you know communities that they can join where they can talk to peers who are just starting out. Um, and I, I absolutely think that even when you're coming up with that idea of that first business that you're going to start, you need to be in a room of people that, that know you and, and, and understand why you're doing it, uh, why you're choosing what you're choosing. Because, you know, the people you're married to or your best friends may not have a clue what entrepreneurship is about and, you know, how to define what you're going to do. So the answer is yes, you always need to have the right peer group, no matter what stage of entrepreneurship you're in. Now, with that said, what Leading Peers did is we established a, 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 a threshold to get in which wasn't too high so that we could take somebody that was still doing seven, six digits in revenue, you know, anywhere from 200,000 on up, that's the bare minimum, $200,000 of revenue and, and take that person all the way to nine digits. In other words, how do you go from 200,000 to 200 million? That's the journey that leading peers 
we'll take you through. Now, some people join Leading Peers doing way more than 200,000. They may already be doing 2 million, 10 million, 20 million, even 30 million. We've had people join that are doing, we're doing 30 million. They're now doing 50 million. So everybody's on a growth journey, but that's where Leading Peers lives in. You know, if somebody's doing over a billion in revenue, we're not the right community for them. And if they've just started and they haven't even had sales, we're certainly not the right community for them. But if they have some traction, the entrepreneur can make a living out of what they do in their business. They don't have a job that's providing any income because their business is able to pay for their salary. Um, then, then leading peers is definitely the right place. And then different boards that we have, we currently have 15 boards. We're putting together two more in this, in this month. Different boards have different levels of expectation. So if somebody wants to join leading peers and they go and visit the wrong board, that board might say, Hey, no, you're too small for us. Or, you know, you, you, you're not experienced enough, but then they might go to another board that might say, Oh, we were looking for somebody exactly at your stage, or we love your background because that's what was missing here. So one of the key things that we do when we discover a candidate that wants to join leading peers is make sure we understand who they are, what kind of peers they're looking for. We then look at our boards, we understand what they're looking for, and, and we fill our boards with the right with the right persons. That match is super important. And by the way, Dave, we don't make that match. That match has to be finalized by the board members and the candidate. Once we, we think somebody is good for a board, we bring them to a meeting, the board interviews them. If the board likes the candidate, they extend that invitation. And if the candidate liked what they saw in the board, they decide at that moment to apply, knowing that they're going to get in. So, so in the process, there's three parties involved, leading peers saying, here's what we think. Then there's the board and then there's the candidate. If after those three agree that this is a good match, chances are it's going to work. And, you know, we always say if you give it six months from the moment you join, the value is going to be incredible. Don't expect in the first month or two when you're just getting to know the people to feel, you know, that you're getting all the value because it takes a little bit of time to be part of a team. Leo, tell the audience how they can uh, reach out to you if they want to connect with you, learn more about leading peers. Yeah. So fastest way is send an email to info at leadingpeers.com. So just to be clear what leading peers is, leading as in leading companies, you know, people who are leading companies, they're leading organizations and peers, P-E-E-R-S in plural. So info at leadingpeers.com, that email is always going to find its way to the, to, to the team. Somebody wants to reach me directly, they can always just write LP, those are my initials, Leo Popic, the same two initials as in leading peers, LP, so LP at leading peers dot com that's the best way also they can go to our website there's a lot of forms they can fill online there's a contact us form there's a find your board form there's all sorts of different things where we get their details and we know that's actually a way to expedite things because then you know what to answer so that we can help guide you further along rather than you having to type an email and be like this is these are all my questions so a form is going to guide you it's going to give us information we're going to be able to expedite things so go to leadingpeers.com go to the contact section or go to the find a board section you'll know what to do all right leo sit tight we've got to pay a few bills here are you watching and listening at home don't go anywhere we'll be right back on behind the numbers after this quick break 
Hi, I'm Angela Pipersberg, and I have a new show here in RVN Television called The Angela Pipersberg Show. And I want you to join me every week as I sit with guests and we discuss their life journeys, share wisdom, and tips that will inspire you to live your best life. Don't miss The Angela Pipersberg Show every week here on RVN Television, where we're celebrating life and we're inspiring you to greatness. Hi, I'm Dr. Esther Malave, and welcome to my show, Achieving a Better You. Through this show, we're going to explore ways to make a better version of you. For example, nutrition, finance, fitness, health. Remember that there's always a way of making a better version of yourself, no matter what the circumstances are. And remember to look for Achieving a Better You show on RVN TV. Some say the world has never been more divided, more self-centered, more uncaring, that we've never been more disconnected. But through our windows, we're able to see so much good every day. And it's clear that a little kindness is never really little. Did you know that only 8% of people who set their goals, they actually succeed in achieving them? Well, if you want to be a part of that 8%, then you need to tune in to Achieve with Wanda Martin, where I will teach you tips, tools, and strategies on how to achieve your goals in any field and on any level. So tune in, watch me on the RBN Network on how to achieve your goals and be a part of that 8%. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're talking with Leo Popic, who's the founder and CEO of Leading Peers. Leo, welcome back for round two here on Behind the Numbers. Uh, I want to take this segment in a, uh, in a strategic direction for the folks who are out in the audience watching and listening to this episode. I want to tap into um, things that you've learned uh, from being the facilitator and working with CEOs and, and the things that you've you know, observed and that they've shared with you. So, Let's talk about really the the if there's a theme. What are some of the major issues that you're hearing from CEOs? What are businesses facing today that are most common? Yeah, so one thing is always strategy. Uh, it's incredible how people who put together businesses they don't really usually have much of a process around building a, a vision you know, a vivid vision that they can picture of what the business is going to look like in the future. And, um, you know, certainly the people they hire have even less of an idea of how to build a, a strategy. And so they end up in this predicament of just trying to grow a little bit, but not really knowing where they're going. They're, it's just, I want to do a little bit more so I can make a little bit more money is the mindset. And, um, I love the mindset of knowing where you're going to go and, and, and really focus on that. You know, if you're, if you're going to go to the moon, have a plan to get there. So we work a lot around what's the end goal. I mean, what are you trying to achieve here? Uh, making you think three years in advance um, to focus your resources around that so that there is 
a, a lot of measured allocation of resources, especially around your time. Because uh, again, entrepreneurs are pulled in so many directions. They're getting bombarded by emails and texts from people that want to sell them stuff. And they start thinking, yeah, I should do this, I should do that. And, and the I should world is just so overwhelming. So when we take a lot of their guilt away and say, man, you know, you're just trying to build this, like stick to your plan and like learn about the stuff that you don't know. And here's some of that stuff. So strategy is always, uh, I'd say the first point. Um, and the other thing that comes up a lot, Dave, I mean, in every business is people. And I know that might sound tactical to some people listening. They might say, I don't want to spend my time talking about my team, but I'm a firm believer uh, what Jim Collins shared in Good to Great, probably one of the best business books of all time, where he said, you know, it all comes down to having the right people and having the right people in the right seats. If you have them, they're going to come up with the strategy. They're going to come up with the execution. They're going to come up with the funding. They're going to come up with the results. So it starts with that. And you're always changing your team. I mean, if a business is evolving it has to be changing its team all the time because it's growing so it probably needs to hire but also technology changes what people need to do i mean we hear that ai is going to replace you know half of the jobs five years from now so what does that mean for your company are you doing anything with it and ai is only one of several technological changes that's happening and if your business isn't you know changing what people are doing to automate more things to to incorporate new applications processes procedures um, it's really just falling behind, really. Uh, and so staying at the forefront of that uh, requires that you have a, a team that's willing to embrace change and um, that's willing to, to suggest changes that need to be done. And frankly, if there's anyone who's opposed to the changes you need to make, I mean, how do you deal with letting go of those people and keeping morale high and keeping the team united? How do you provide a career plan for your employees so you can retain? I mean, we all know that during COVID, the great resignation came, but we're living in a world now where people come and go from jobs faster than ever before. And, and nobody can really have a thriving company where everybody is coming in is thinking about taking the next job offer that they get at another company. Uh, you, you only build excellence when a great team sustains itself over time. So how do you build the, that great career plan, retention, uh, incentives for people to want to, you know, stick around. So those are, I'd say, you know, strategy and people are probably the two, I'd say are definitely the two things that our entrepreneurs care about the most. And then the third is inevitably, you know, how to grow the sales, you know, that comes up all the time in every business, you know, you can have a great strategy, but you've got to be able to find the right people to bring in the business. So some businesses rely on a great sales team. Others rely more on marketing. It depends on the industry. It depends on the type of activity. But what they all have in common is they are focused on growth and not only having more clients, but the right types of clients. So constantly redefining who is my ideal client and how do I get to those people as preferences for communication uh, change uh, so quickly. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I jotted down, you said uh, you'd like them to look three years in advance with regard to thinking about their strategy. So in my world, in, in working with business owners and CEOs and in valuation exercises, one of the questions that I ask them is, is certainly for a three-year forecast or a five-year forecast, what, what does the future look like? Because valuation is a forward-looking exercise. So a, a lot of times they, they come back with a blank stare that they, they don't have it and they really 
don't have any clarity and don't know how to even begin to take that first step to put it together. So I'd be curious to know what has been your experience when you uh, tell them to look three years into the future? Well, you're, you're getting at another really important piece here, which is when you look three years or five years into the future, Part of it is to just be able to imagine it. Like, what's your life as a CEO going to look like? What's your team going to look like? What's the office? What's the day-to-day? What are you selling? What are you providing? What's the value? But then the other part are the numbers, you know, and and I know in this show, Behind the Numbers, you do go beyond the numbers, but a a very vital part that some entrepreneurs don't even look at is what is the, the cash flow statement for the next three to five years? And so there are no projections. So they might have a vague idea that, oh, man, I'd love to move to New York and start an office there. Or I'd love to have, I don't know, uh, this really important person, a chief marketing officer that, that that's going to be amazing for the business or, I don't know, hire Oracle to do our ERP, whatever it may be. But there's there are no metrics on what, what how's the profit going to evolve uh, for the business how is the revenue going to evolve from one month to the next over the next 60 months? And so at some point you start asking them, like, do you care about exiting this business at some point? Do you care about what it's worth if, if something happens to you today and, 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 and all that your family's left with is your business? And you start realizing that everybody cares, but they don't realize how crucial it is to have these projections and, and the sale of any business when you're talking about a company doing six to eight digits of revenue is mostly going to be associated with the projections. I mean, it's the EBITDA, you know, the, the net profit that they have in the last year or the last three years, but it's mainly how is that going to evolve? Whoever buys it is looking at the future and how that business is going to be able to provide a return on their investment. And, and we really do a lot of training around that in, in, in leading peers because it's incredible how little, people project their numbers in the future. And, and Dave, I was guilty of that myself for many years. I would say of, of the last 20 years of being an entrepreneur, in the first 17 of those up until the pandemic, I really wasn't very forward thinking when it came to uh, financial projections. I, I looked at the at, at the future and just saw growth. How can I increase the top line, just the top line? But I really didn't care much about the bottom line. And when the pandemic came, what a wake-up call it was for Profit first, you know, focusing on that bottom line, understanding your unit economics, understanding your numbers better, closer, um, and, and and also what a wake up call for having recurring revenue, for having stable revenue, as opposed to just big projects that, you know, give, you know, we would do events in my business and, oh, this event gave us $2 million of revenue and we made $600,000 and we would pat ourselves on the back. But today, I would much rather have a client that provides, you know, five hundred thousand a year instead of that two million dollar project. But knowing that that five hundred thousand dollars is forty thousand a month coming in stably, we're having a great uh, gross profit and, and profit margin on that. I mean, you can scale a business with that sort of recurring, stable, projectable uh, business and a diversified client base, and and many business owners just don't have a clue. They're completely lost when it comes to building companies that can scale. Leo, we're down to the short strokes here, just a few minutes to go, but I want to ask you a couple more things. First and foremost, uh, tell the audience how they can connect with you if they want to reach out and learn more. 
Yeah, again, uh, leadingpeers.com. Our website is the best resource to learn more about us. There's all sorts of things in our website from video testimonials to, you know, blogs that we've written. There's a lot of value there. There's an explanation of what the membership's all about. I mean, our membership base is uh, you pay a month-to-month fee. Everything is detailed there from how much you pay to what's included. Everything's on the website. So leadingpeers.com. And if they want us to answer to them and help them find more information, especially a board that they can visit to start their journey toward potentially joining us, all they have to do is fill out one of those forms on our website. Or if they don't like to spend time on websites, just send us an email at info at leadingpeers.com. But eventually you're going to have to read something. So we'll, we'll, we'll send you stuff by email that you have to look at so that we know before we go into a call with you, that you know what you're signing up for, because um, this, this is a very valuable space and opportunity for people. Got it. Leo, we've got about two minutes to go here, so you're on the clock, but you, you mentioned something about exit in, that, in your last uh, commentary, um, and I wanted to just get your perspective and what you're seeing and your advice for business owners, because there's a school of thought that you should always be exit ready because, look, stuff happens. Um, you know, the proverbial hit by a bus, you want your business ready to be saleable. Uh, you could get the unexpected offer out of the blue. Uh, but what, what's uh, your counsel for business owners, especially the ones who are, we'll call them early stages, uh, about how they should be thinking about exit, which could be, in their minds, long ways away? I'm in the school of thought that your business should always be ready for sale because you don't know what's going to happen to you. It, it has to be sound when it comes to what the financials look like. It has to be uh, trustworthy from the standpoint of a lender. If, if, if somebody doesn't want to acquire you right now, then, then somebody doesn't want to lend to you either. Uh, somebody doesn't want to become your minority stake, uh, share, shareholder partner. Um, so you have to build it so that it's always financially healthy, just like you would with your own health, your biological health. You can't put that off and say, someday I'll work on my health. Um, it, it, and also your long-term physical health depends on doing the right things today, every single day consistently. And the same thing applies to business. You can't say, well, five years from now, I'll accumulate a reserve so I can show that I can withstand uh, a crisis or a downward, downward spiral in the economy. No, you've got to be building that muscle day in and day out so that five years from now, your reserve looks great. Uh, if you're in debt, how are you getting out of debt and so on? Now, that doesn't mean that you build a company thinking anybody that approaches me wanting to buy me is somebody I need to talk to right now. I mean, that's a separate thing. You build it so that it has an increasing valuation every single day that you show up to the office uh, or to work. Every single month, it's more valuable. But you can say, I don't want to even talk to people about selling it today because I've got other things that I want to do. And frankly, I don't want to sell it for the next three or three years. So that comes, that's where your vivid vision comes into play of where you see your life going. Do you, do you see yourself wanting to retire? Do you see yourself wanting to start another business or leave this one in the hands of somebody in your team so that you can go and start another one? Those are conversations that, uh, yeah, we need to have with you. Awesome. Leo, thank you so much. I really wish we had more time to continue, but unfortunately we are out of time. It goes very quickly here. But I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today and joining us on Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. I enjoyed it. And I love your show. Thanks so much. We've been talking with Leo Popic, who is the founder and CEO of Leading Peers. Definitely check him out, as he mentioned to you. Check out their website. And again, my name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm the author of the new ROI series, where ROI is Return on Individuals. 
valuation expert, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Always happy to have a conversation. Thanks for my producer here for making the show run smoothly, as always. Thank you, John. And thank you out there for watching and listening. We can't do the show without you. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.